25 years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Vampire the Requiem. Hey everybody, welcome back to another week of Requiem Fun. I, of course, am your lovable host, Bob, and accompanied by Mr. Chris. Hey everyone, how's it going? And of course, he's also known as DJ, otherwise known as Devil Monkey from the East. And of course, we have Brennan. <laughs> hey everyone. We call Brennan the Forever Man. Strangely, he works out the most out of anyone I know, and quite possibly, like, work three times a day, and yet he is sick, most of them. I'm not understanding, Brennan. How are you feeling today, though? It's a very Sisyphean struggle. I am, I am good. Vertigo is gone. Uh, apparently, that is a very minor side effect, or not minor, but like a not very common side effect of the COVID vaccine, but uh, it hit me in the face pretty hard. But uh, I'm feeling good today. I heard that's rough. Like, no matter what, that COVID vaccine mm -hmm. is, uh, it's always the second shot that does people in. Was that your second or first? No, that was my second, and everyone's been telling me the second one is worse. So my, the whole day I've been like, great. I'm this the next in four weeks. I'm gonna have a great weekend. <laughs> D day cometh. That's that's right. all you can say to it. We're all here to hear uh, Requiem Bloodlines hidden. Right, that's where we're at now. I know you two were solo on the other one, and uh, that's obviously rehashed what we just mumbled about. And I stumbled through to give you an idea what I've been up to. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, lovely podcast, enjoyed it a lot. Here, I'm going to challenge you though. Right, but I bet all y'all thought. We have this book hidden. They're going to go through every single one and talk about every single one in detail because there's not much to this book. Let me hit a red button for you. And it's going to make a sound called, eh, how boring. Mm -hmm. Yep. That is, exactly. that is no merit whatsoever. We might as well have told you just buy the book. You want to know what it is. It's a comic and move on. And it's not. The writers of Requiem are stellar. In fact, mm -hmm. out of all the reviews we've done, the people who did Requiem so far have beaten everybody. Everything we've done, they have destroyed what they wrote in terms of understanding the content, understanding the purpose, understanding what you could do with it, the ways the book and the rules and the story blend together. You it's, you have a total package here. Like this is literally the brand that you need to have to understand what it is to be vampire. No clear. You're going to get that than standing here on bloodlines hidden. And for everyone, we're skipping the prologue because I feel there's a ton of content. We're not going to have time mainly because I killed 15 minutes but also because <laughs> also because uh, there is there's a lot of content to dive into. For instance, do me a favor, Brentron. I know mm -hmm. you take notes, too, just like I do. Uh, but you have an idea of what a mm -hmm. bloodline is. So what is a Requiem idea of a bloodline? Right. So um, <clears throat> in, in Requiem, there is um, when when someone says bloodline, right, you literally think about descendants. Right. And that is a thing in Requiem. However, Capital B bloodline is something that is unique and unique to, to Requiem. In Requiem, once a vampire is a, well, of sufficient age and expresses their vampiric nature to such a, a unique degree, they can change their very vitae, right? And with this, they, it's not that they become a different clan, but they are sufficiently different that they, uh, they spawn, they take on uh, characteristics and abilities that are unique to them even amongst their own their own clan. And from this, once they reach this point, they can pass this on through their own children or through other members of their clan. That is what we're talking about when we speak of capital B bloodlines. Now, it's interesting. There's, there's, a, lot to, there's a lot said there. Mm -hmm. and, they, and they go into that further. Their, their idea of a bloodline is that, first off, there are only five clans that they state. Mm -hmm. I argue this point now. Yeah. There are five clans uh, that... 
there are five clans they give you as canon. Mm-hmm. Let's look at this. So a clan is basically enough vampires that exuded particular traits that is strong enough in number and society pull are able to stand tall and say, we are a clan. Exactly. And, and people descend from us. Now, by rules mechanic, it backs this up. You have to be one of the five canon clans to deviate and become a bloodline. Mm-hmm. Lock, stock. No problem. I'm with you there. They don't mention that there were other clans from back in the day. How are there five clans? Right? Is the question you should be asking immediately. Right? I hope that comes to your mind on everyone. If there are bloodlines, wait a second, already? What's going on? Well, they're highlighting the fact that there was only one vampire. Right? That's, that, that's an outline that they were trying to portray. That put in your head, if there is only one vampire and that there is only one vampire, deviations had to have happened. Mm-hmm. I.e. made children. And each person eventually was able to transmogrify the curse or modify it somehow. You just described that process, right? You get to blood potency six, you're able to spend a willpower. Boom. You've muted the, the curse enough to now exude your traits and your new powers if you want or what have you. However, when you look at the role play behind that, what is it really saying? It's saying the power is not the person who was made a vampire. It is still that curse in and of itself. And Mm -hmm. that it's raw potential. And to each individual who's brought into the Requiem, that vampire becomes wholly unique, right? You have in you, every single character made has in them to be a vampire god some millennia down the road. Because Mm -hmm. they can mute and create their own children. One night, you might be the Grand Sixth clan that's allowed to be a canon if it's good enough. Or stay mediocre. Don't change. Adapt. Join one of the many bloodlines of your lineage. Join the main clan. And don't deviate. That's all possible and that's talk of pure blood is purely is is, it's got to be in the game i know we haven't come across it yet i absolutely seen invictus ventru saying that they are indeed ventru pure Mm -hmm. blood no deviation and thus are superior in some form of standing and i enjoy that it it leaves that there that that's very weird you say that uh I, i i will say that will be a topic point when we get to it bob yeah but um uh yeah, I am I'm I'm love that this is how we we start this topic because I remember like years ago when I had that same epiphany. I was like, so you're telling me every time I make a vampire, I'm actually making a bloodline. That's what they would be if they were able to progress. Right. It's, and that's something sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. I thought you were finished. <clears throat> yeah, uh just that this that is something that is wholly unique and puts so much I guess pure cool in my mind every time you make a character. I don't know how else to describe it. I think it's awesome. DJ, you keep looking like you're going to say something. And we like, <laughs> like, we're looking like, you there? You good? No, we're, we're good here. I mean, in the sense of, you're right. Um, I think what uniquely hits about that is, it is the expression of every one of those vampires' particular requiem. This is the moment in time where they have lived and or have exuded enough force uh, or pot- raw potential to create that. The weird part about that, though, is like you were mentioning, what's the difference between the bloodline and the clan is like there's sufficient amount of power and numbers behind a clan to make it. But just because you create a bloodline, just because you were that one deviant, right, that that one vampire who had created that that new lineage of sorts doesn't mean you're also going to continue it. Um, you might not want children or you might experiment and that might just crash and burn or the new bloodline that you are is just so horrific to everyone else. You get hunted out and swatted out before you even become a potential. Um, and so that's what I think also makes it very interesting to find out if you succeed as a bloodline, then you are a rarefied prize amongst many. It's it's more than rarefied, right? Night Society has to approve you. That's my favorite part about this, is mm-hmm. that you don't escape it. You want to be out of the social order. You were never out of the social order of predators. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to. They're the ones who hunt the night with you forever. 
And so if they don't approve of your line one night, they will come across you and you will be exterminated. Why? It's still Rome. That's a very Roman mentality. We will tolerate all who bend a knee to the five. That's all you have to do. No, acknowledge that there are five main clans that come from, regardless of the social strata that we give you to govern yourselves, but all pay rent to Caesar. Mm -hmm. That's what it comes down to. That mentality is what stuck with them more than anything else and is a source of their strength, right? We talked about the Camarilla they came from before, where that was the old ways and it fell apart, but what did they become? And we learned, at least in our opinion, or at least that's what I felt was a shared opinion. You could see how they're echoes of what they were. And, and But they modify, right? Torpor does its thing, and they move and move forward, and that's how it is. But then when you get the bloodlines, you start looking at them, you see what happens, what true rebellion is. That, that's what I call this, because you can have a social bloodline, and Absolutely. I adore that. The Ordo Dracul always, always didn't sit right with me, because it was like, why is it the Ordo Dracul? Why is it a covenant? If they emulate Dracula, just give it up to Drac. <laughs> right? Be it, I'm a son of Dracula. Why couldn't I say that? I can! That's called a social bloodline. Yeah, it absolutely is. I owe no, I pay no lip service to being Ventru whatsoever or your, your Ordo Dracul. I can even mock. Why? I'm a son of Dracula as far as I'm concerned. That he's in my lineage and that's all that matters. And if enough of us get together and we share this sort of society means, we, we can effectively make that because that's a strong vampire of legend, great lineage. Everyone can attest to it. Everyone knows who that person is. And as long as we exhibit traits of what is expected or befitting and night society approves our, our hubris, as it were, then so be it. That's unique. You know, if you ever wanted to make a bloodline where you felt that, you know, you know what? I don't care about what this clan wants. It's great. You're getting grow. I'm not out there living in dirt, melding in the walls and nonsense and hunting rats to feed from. <laughs> I'm going to be in the city. My sire was cool. He's right over there. He dances on stage. He sings apparently. He's a DJ. We're cool. We're, we're his clan. Get away from me. Right, I am about your, your nonsense. Back off. I'm not in your war, right? I actually dig the hell out of that, that it's possible and you can emulate that blood tie because it makes what? Lineage. That much more important and strong when you have that. So too is the reverse. I love the idea of a prince decrying your bloodline, that you are, you are literally a cursed one. I don't give you an easy execution. I don't kill you. I forever forbid you in this domain henceforth and through the means of all that I know, deny you access to ninth society. You are not here for a grievous crime you've committed and get out. You live in the waste. That's where you get to be. Rats are now your food and your friends. Be gone. And you're thrown out and they have the strength to enforce it and everybody enforced it because ninth society is supposed to. You mm -hmm. now have a new bloodline that has to live out in the waste on the outskirts and how might that blood change in time to adapt to it accordingly. Yep. That's more than possible, it has happened, should happen, and is a great story uh, to either live through or to go with, because now every children you have has an inherited hatred of a particular prince in a domain. They have a reason. It's like they're embraced into touchstones and, and plots and goals and story all on mm -hmm. their own to immediately go after, and that's, that's a lot of fun. A lot of, at least to me, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. It's a compelling story, right? Because what you what where you ended that that story like reminded me a lot of uh, I don't know a setting like Romeo and Juliet, right? With two feuding families that hated each other, and that's a beautiful like setting for any story. And that's that's um, well, these bloodlines set the stage for that. And they explain traits too. I well, let me take that back. They don't like mechanically list traits. They talk about a bloodline as a bloodline because certain behaviors are mm -hmm. hyper focused on. Right. That's that's what you did. And they give a key that if you're going to to make a bloodline, right, a lot of a lot of them are in this book. Right? I believe it's what, 12? 
They're in this in the book. Yes, that's correct. So that's awesome. But they give you another five in the main book, mm-hmm. if you remember, right? So they obviously bloodlines were a written product already throughout Requiem. They weren't like an aftermath. This might be cool. This is cool. This is a part of it. What I enjoy about it the most is uh, the idea that if you look at each one, like they talked about, it's a facet of myth of myth from Vampire Legend that they focused on for each individual one. You know, something of it, whether it was a social aspect or an actual uh, repulsion by cross or an unending gluttony or uh, a madness that can't be uh, pushed to the side so easily, a duality, if you will, uh, of um, of evil, one good side, one bad side. There's there's a lot in here of those myths that are just burned throughout of them. And that's that's where they came up with it. But they very much encourage players to be their own progenitors if they choose to or mm-hmm. to tailor build a bloodline for you to play because the important thing is you're an immortal and they give you a template to jump from like a one simple rule. You have to come from one of the five, right? That's, that's the rule. Your, your trade starts somewhere, but then after that, they give you nice rules in the appendix uh, of, I forget what page it's on uh, the main book. Appendix one is where you'll find it for bloodlines. Mm -hmm. I believe new powers. It goes through the whole process of what we're kind of talking about here. It definitely of what's in this book uh, the hidden. I love it. Right, that right there tells you that this game is made for people who want to feel like they belong. That their individual ideas, where it were once upon a time in V twenty, couldn't be done. Right, I'm I'm the most massive gatekeeper when it comes to that. Look, if it's not in the <laughs> book, let's just not worry about it. Mm-hmm. Right, but but uh, Chronicles, what Chronicles did out the gate was that they set it up like this is not everything in this book is not everything on the board. I think they even said it in I think it was like the the Coteries book. They they highlighted this is not source material per se. This is a toolbox. There are different tools for you to run your game, and these are also how you can use these tools to make your own. Which is is has always it's what I've always loved about Chronicles about it that they they enable they give you everything you need to run a game, and they also give you the tools to make whatever to make something unique to you and your group. And it gives you points, right? Why mm-hmm. would you do it? I think one of the major points is that uh, how many times have you had somebody come to game who's been playing Vampire while and go, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm going to play. I mean, I, I've done a lot. And, uh, you know, I heard your play. You're a great storyteller. You know, you hear that. I call that the, the sweet before the sour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. There's oh, yeah. butt coming. You can hear yeah. the butt coming. <laughs> Everything amazing is amazing and lovely is lovely. But, you know, I'm just burnout. I'm not going to be here. I suffer burnout. Yeah, folks, I hear burnout all the time. Um, it's not burnout you're suffering. It's the fact that the creativity, you're not inspired. That's not burnout, right? That's just no ideas jumping in your head immediately. That's okay. And and you're looking for that. Um, have you ever gave thought to the kid? Well, usually it's the, it's the last couple of characters you play when someone suffers that quote unquote burnout and they just didn't play what they liked. They weren't having fun with it. They didn't like the feel of the character, what have you. And they didn't know how to turn around and put the effort in and tell you that. Instead, they suffered in silence till eventually it was over and then ho hum went about playing whatever hot new game is out being distracted i like how requiem eliminates that binky there's no way you could say it right you, there's no way you can join a requiem game and go oh i just i just couldn't find what i wanted really you couldn't find what you wanted to play um they there's but this isn't the only book folks <laughs> that has, no. has bloodline there are more bloodline it, books right? out there this is but mm. the first amongst many it's 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 a lot are out there right you got 10 you got five bloodlines and five major clans out of the base requiem book yeah then you got another 12 here and then some plus whatever you can create with rules to do it. But it says players can tailor those characters now by picking what they want. There's got to be something in the flavor of ice cream provided that makes your Sunday right there. Wait a minute. 
you're a super unique snowflake. Wow, no, I don't necessarily like what they made. I wouldn't have done that. I like what they did here, but I kind of like what they did over here. The SD, like me, gets to go, uh-huh, great. So let's just take what you like here. And what was the other one? These two here. Great, let's move it over. Now you come up with a society and the reason why there would have been an offshoot and you would have been a part of it. Oh, that's a lot of effort. I don't want to make it. Okay, I'll make the sire. I'll make the reason. You're now this clan. By the way, the clan's called Snowflake. <laughs> why? Because it's here on a podcast. So I don't have a time to do it. But the circumstance, I am rubber stamping the shit out of it. Like, kid, you're bothering me. I want to put you in game. I want it to be great. I get those three things you like. You have it? Yeah, baby. Yeah, enjoy the medicine. Makes it goes down smooth. All right, we're good. Move on. It's not that they're babies. Everybody wants what they want. Can't help it. You want what you're going to like. You don't want to settle for anything. And you should not settle when it comes to your fantasy. I'm sorry. I when, My fantasies are awesome. When I want a horror game, it is horrific. Mm-hmm. right? I want, I want it mm-hmm. to be perfect. And I put every element I want in there to be there. And that's great when you're the storyteller. But when I'm a player, I'm going to play the absolute role that I signed up for to a T and enjoy playing that character. It's what I want to do. That's what I'm playing. I'm spending, you're literally spending your time to do it. And folks, time is your life. You hear people say time is money in the capitalist world? That's because to them, money is life, right? It's that simple. If you want to break it down, every second, every minute is spent that you will never, ever get back, right? That's why memories are cool. It's a way to go back in time. So make sure you're happy doing what you're doing within the hobby. And that's what this is all about. And I enjoy it. That's, uh, I can't say it enough. But to gush on this throughout end without even talking a little bit about how one might build it, we'll dab a little into it. It's a little, right? Okay. We already said the mechanics as- aspect already, right? Mechanics are pretty easy, but they talk about that. They even have an exit in there. I remember saying, wait a second, to do something this serious, all it takes is, a, is like a mark of a, a willpower dot and boom, it's done. And that's it. Like, shouldn't there be, and how would I do it accidental and whatever? And they, and they more or less roll their eyes like you just did, Brennan, mm-hmm. right? But they did it in yeah. print. They did it in Exert. They did it in Exert. They were, like, already, like, okay, assholes. For those of you who just can't be happy with what goes on, the point is, there is a separation between church and state here. What happens out of game on your character sheet is different than your character living in game. Mm-hmm. So your character living in game doesn't, in a downtime, there is no minutes, seconds, and hours that go by or days. I'm sorry to ruin it for you players where we use downtimes all the time. The reason I don't put on this day, date, and hour this transpires is because it's supposed to be stress-free for your mm-hmm. character to go and do stuff. And, you know, you don't want to be held up by all the semantics. We just want to tell a story. And we assume things. We gland hand the minutia. Mm-hmm. Same thing here. It will take a while for you to make a bloodline. There is a transmutation of the blood meets will and whatever that you go through. But your character goes through it. You don't go through it. Right? That's the point. You're supposed to play the newbie, newbie character that comes from it, not you have to change that I have a bloodline. And so keep that separation. That's that's one. The second thing I like about that, well, well that's cool to me. But the uh, second thing is when they talk about the progenitor, that's where it begins. You want to make a bloodline? Why? What's wrong with you being that, that Deva you are? Right. What makes you unique enough that you would even start this? And it's always, it's never something small. Right. There are there are uh, there's a handful out of this book that I that I very much like. But in every one of them, there was something that was deeply traumatic or literal requiem changing that caused it, whether it's waking up from a prolonged torpor and you only half remember things until you actually discover an, an ancient ruin that you built or you and your family were like rich, like landowners who were killed and cast down and had to like eat to survive in this new cursed existence. Right. As a as a family, 
one thing that I would probably say about that as well is like what lends to it even better for like these moments to actually happen is unlike what you probably would see in Masquerade with all these like big domains and these cities just being built the way they are, you could have a small domain of only five kindred. And in that small five kindred domain, this environment had caused you. What if you just happen to live by Chernobyl and uh, it just got to eat radiant animals all day, right? Well, how do you survive? I'm just saying as an example, you out there, but like, that's just an extreme way to put it out there, but it's very easy to see how there might be a permutation of the blood. Like, how, what do you do? How does it happen? Th- thank you for that mental image, DJ. I'm now imagining a bunch of gangrel that glow green in the night. <laughs> I was actually imagining some Nosferatu that looked like something out of Chud. Cannibalistic humor and underground demon dweller. Remember that horror film? Yeah. Where they're all just weird to eat the dog off the street, right? Now I know how Chud came to life, and it's really a Nosferatu bloodline in Requiem called the Chernobyls, and we just made a bloodline. <laughs> just so you know. That's what we just did right here. <laughs> it's golden. Uh, so humor, interest, easy to do, mm-hmm. antagonist is, is golden. Tragic mm-hmm. stories is another part of that, too. To other than this, other than the dark humor, the gallows humor we seem to enjoy here at uh, <laughs> we, we just do at 25. Uh, we, we have to look at the fact that, OK, if you look at that serious Chernobyl vampires, Nosferatu, Gangrel are even affected by it. They're not going to look normal, at least in my world. Right. Nope. I don't mm-hmm. want them to look normal, but I want Nosferatu the ability to hide it at certain points throughout the day. Perhaps they have to do a real a weird ritual like they have a weakness. They have to attend or sleep under a holy site like a church. Mm-hmm. They beg for forgiveness long enough. They will think about it. They've been cursed in body for all time. Some great tragedy put them near Chernobyl. It's an act of fate. They were born to it. It's where they were. They didn't ask for the nuclear thing, uh, the, the, the meltdown to happen, but it did. And this is a product of what happened in their world and environment. And so their psychology changes over time. Or they were in Torpid when their founder woke up and just assumed this is what it was. They put him in a crypt. It was in a church. He came out and just assumes that's the spot. But what if their obfuscate only works if they attend? a vigil there and devout prayer. And that's what it takes. And when they do, they can hold their obfuscate powers for until the next lunar month when they could do it again. But while they're obfuscated, they're perfectly humane. Everything's great. Help old ladies cross the street, help people eat, feed, they tend to the domain, the whole nine. But the moment they frenzy, it reverts and they can't hold obfuscate, but they become these primitive, let me take primitive out. I like the idea they give in to the beast mm-hmm. As, mm-hmm. as part of a weakness. You know, it's not, not like they're running around in the haze, but they're just, that dark side that is them that they see all the time and feel that is now who they are and the mood switches. And that's, that's what it is. That's tragic. That's tragic. It's gut wrenching. That's a bloodline. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Probably not going to make it in night society, but at the, <laughs> but at the same <laughs> time, yep. right? not, all it's of a them not all of them can. And that's okay. So long as they can survive somewhere. Right. And that's, and that's the process you go through, right? You just kind of spitball it. You start with a progenitor. Well, what's the grand event? Is it going to be a bad event? Can it be a good event? Yes, it can. Yes, it can. Um, Bob, what's a good event? How about my sire loves me? I'm the favorite. I'm everything great that ever came out of the clan. I'm the Deva's David Deva. And he decides that I should make clan Bob. Go forward in your Bobness and, and spread it everywhere. For you are my descendant. And I appreciate Bobitude, right? Gone is, gone is stuff like fortitude. We know it's called resilience, but I create Bobitude. <laughs> it's the new discipline, right, that we're going to have. And that's, and all that. I get a new power. I get a new way of being. You know, the dynasty loves me that I'm in. And that's what it is. And can I mutate to do a slight shift or become a social bloodline? Absolutely. Uh, to taste. I mean, you can think of many reasons of why a good change could happen. Mm-hmm. And you could do it when you do. I prefer the tragedy, though. I like the world because um, I like the adaptation. There can be no change unless there's reason to change. Right. 
Yes. And the best chain adaptation is the best. That reaction response is uh is everything that to me made the bruja or the bruja. The bruja. <laughs> the bruja. I say it's bruja because there's brujo, right? We got that. So it's officially bruja. Uh but uh I, I might laugh at it too. Don't you worry about it. I uh, just because we come I just wish I could translate your head movements when you said that, because that <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So uh, the Bruges, as we know, are a bloodline of biker. Biker bully boys is what they make them in Requiem. They ride around raising hell. Uh, they added a Hispanic biker gang that started it. Their founder was a Hellion's Hellion and uh, disappeared, but had such awesome potential for crime and violence that it passed on uh, to the to the descendants he had, making that bloodline not only unique, terrifying to come across. Mm-hmm. And, and they have it there. And you might be thinking to yourself, that's like the Bruja of old. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> No, it isn't. Uh, first and foremost, uh, I think I have it. I don't think it was Dave. I think it was Gangrel derived is uh, what it is. So uh, they have a bit of that primal aspect to them. I love the artwork of Requiem. It's fantastic at showcasing what they were looking for. And uh, that, of course, comes out of the main book. And Layer of the Hidden, I, let me, because I, I digress at all, because both those books talk about bloodlines, which is why mm-hmm. I'm dancing here. Um, and Layer of the Hidden, every uh, bloodline they have that they put in there, the, the writing matches the artwork. Absolutely. You all, you all know why I'm a fan of that. Like, it's one thing to imagine in my head, but to see the artwork and the care of the artwork, it's, it's a labor of amazing. Forget labor of love. Someone had an idea for perfection and was chasing it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they hit it, but their efforts were shown. And they, and they tried and tried and tried. And it is awesome to see. The standout moments, one of my favorite bloodlines here are the Nahuatl. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're, uh, they're terrifying. They're terrifying. The... Um, not for the squeamish. They're, they're showing you some serious ass take rituals and rites that that, uh, that bloodline espouses. That was my favorite as well. Yeah, it's that, it. that picture on the, the second page that really, that's a, a terrifying piece of art, but it's, it, it nails them, I think, just in that one image. Since it's your favorite, DJ, and I'm more or less gushing in the book anyway, we're just going to have fun talking about it. Yep. That bloodline, what are they about? Because it seems, at the, at the onset, definitely Aztec-based. But what are its origins, really? Its origins, really, is uh, it was a Spaniard, a Spaniard adventurer who was at one point Lenkea, and um, he's trying to come to grips with his own requiem. And everything that he's being told um, through the Lenkea is temptation will lead. We are supposed to go ahead and lead these mortals in a different way. We will feel our own type of requiem in a specific way. But then he goes like, well, wait a second. What about the mortal church? Don't they have their own way of doing things as well? Why wouldn't God spite them as equally? And why do they have the opposite view of things? He couldn't come to grips with it. When he had the opportunity to, he jumped himself over to New Spain, and um, that, of course, being Mexico. And in the process of doing so, he learned about the Aztec culture. And while he's learning about the Aztec culture, he recognized uh, Tezcatlipoca, uh, in which was the smoking mirror god. He's like, wait a second, this dude is, is supposed to be evil, but at the same token, he could also be the aspect of Quetzalcoatl, uh, which is like the lighter side of it, right? The feathered serpent. And he recognized mortals created this. Mortals worship this type of religion there there is a way to exist with your beast knowing that unlike the lankea who came at it from a kindred perspective if mortals could do this why can't we why can't i and that sparked his interest completely there he was able to spend time focusing not only on his humane version or the the version that he puts on his mask but also give into his beast and pay the devil its due because he also is that he is the beast and by being able to also do the smoking mirrors of himself be the both the dark and the light. Um, things came from it. It gets a little bit more grizzly there, folks. And I, I, I'll give you that gushing portion, Bob. Like what? Yeah. 
I'll throw that ball over to you. Well, I mean, the the fact is, is that I, I've often have said that it's one thing to say that, uh, like, let me tell you a downside of the Sabbat. They would tell you about all these rituals that you could do, and they give you the mechanic side and what to do, but it never really showcased what it does. What might that look like? And it, it was a down, it's a downside for it. That doesn't happen here. When they talk about their rights, there's one where they talk, it's, it's I believe it's the Day of the Dead, where uh, they take a person, they throw them in a burning pit, right? And before that person's dead, they yank them out to cut out their heart. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a ritual. That seems great. They have another one uh, where I think it's to ward off the rain. I'm going off the top of my head. I think I might be wrong about that. Where they take a woman standing up and they surround her nice and tight and they cut her head off. And then they take turns pushing her around her headless yeah. body to spread the blood as, as far as they can to honor the, honor the water and honor the ground. Yep. It was, right. it's like, it's just pretty much like a fertility right in there. Head pops off, blood. The, and it, it falls all over the ground, and it's the whole point of trying to keep the body there. And but there's reverence to it. It's not mindless. Is the the point about it? They're not doing it for shits and giggles. They're not doing it because uh, let's go murder town on everything. It's because there's a a, a point behind it. It's to let loose. I, 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 oh, I'll describe we're it. gonna we're gonna dig through that pile of shit where you said it's a religious purpose. It's not just for mayhem and whatnot. We gotta ar- we gotta argue that. Oh, hundred percent. You're cutting off a woman's head standing so her in pushing her headless body around so the blood goes evenly what exactly is the religious purpose there well in this particular case is almost akin to the sacrifice has to be made there's always blood blood was always the hugest thing especially with the astics in terms of how it would be honored when it comes to that particular ritual especially when it comes to kind of nipping the head at the bud just to have the blood come out it is the rain it is the water uh falling upon the earth it is the way that there's fertility kind of showing you how far it could go it's also for purposes of divination um, so originally as the body's bouncing around, it's all about keeping it there, um, and moving because you don't know whether or not you'll be able to spread as, as much of that rainfall around you. All right. We're going to say, all right, right. It's, it's a great feast day, right? Is what that is. Actually, I had to go look at that again to see how close it is and let you know how good DJ from New York is. It's spinning. Okay? <laughs> that's, that's what that is. That's a huge spin. All right. That's, that's a big leap. And maybe this is indeed your bloodline because you can keep up with it. But we could say the ceasing of water is going to freeze blood in the veins, right? Mm. The ceasing of water ritual is performed in mid-February. The ritual victim is beaten until they cry. At that point, the beating cease and participants hold the victim underwater until they drown. Staying true to Aztec practices, the, the, the Nahuali preferred to subject a child to this atrocity. Me, yeah, you hear that silence? You hear that silence there? That's, uh, yeah, that's, that one I can't even... It, it it's, is... It's, it, I think it's testament to how well that bloodline is written that three people who have that strong gallows humor that you mentioned earlier like can't really follow up the ritual that involves... I could. I didn't say I couldn't come up with a reason why that's done. Okay. I simply asked DJ who liked it. I can tell you exactly why. If you are worshipping uh, a group of people are following an Aztec principle of blood rites that equate to the sun rising every day, then what it is is the crying and suffering matter the most and in that particular right that crying has to come from a reason you need purpose to do that beating is there when it's a child it's the innocence offered and the drowning it was the cessation of misery think of it that way a child's return to the sky and all the pain is removed from the world the moment that child ceases and water is considered renewing mm. so when you drown it and it ceases and it stops to the priest and the people who perform this fucked up ritual they might actually think they're doing good Right, because if the rain stops, then so be it. Then that justifies it. But so too, you cut out a heart and say yes, we do this, and throw it down the steps, and now tomorrow the sun will come up. I'm willing to bet somebody went. Is he aware that if he just doesn't cut out the heart, the sun's still going to come up? 
What did he think they did it's, before they made this ritual? No one's willing right, to figure it out. Weird. <laughs> right? It's who told him that. And what would happen is, I would be brought in by the priest to go next, because I made that comment. Now you ask him, Bob goes to the gods to ask them why his heart must be cut out to bring up the sun, and he will get his answer, but naturally he can't return to the vessel, because we will be eating Bob shortly after as a holy rite. Blah, blah, blah. Um, sorry. Um, th- th- sometimes reality is not stranger than fiction, is what I'm pointing out. Here in this in particular case with the Nahuali, why they call them Jekylls is because of that swing, right? Incredibly good until it's time. Mm. None seen worse than they have a right that's actually kindred-based that is less uncomfortable, but still uncomfortable. For an entire year, I take we take Brennan. Me and DJ do it. And we bring Brennan. Hey, buddy, you like the house? Yeah, man, it's pretty cool. Hey, no problem. We got a rule. We want to give you whatever you want and keep you happy here. But uh, you can't leave. That's the only thing. You got to stay here so we can provide you everything you want, everything you like under the sun. You want you want hot black women to come over here and dance for you and do whatever. We'll make it happen. We know a place. It'll be great. You want anything. You want uh, hot chicken every day. You got it, buddy. All right. I'm convinced. Right. You want that new sports car? <laughs> We're going to get you that new sports car. We provide you everything under the sun, but you can't leave. Leave. Now, at the end of that one year, we're going to hold you down and rip your heart out. Ah, oh, no. Oh, you drive a hard bargain. <laughs> <laughs> what, I, what I like about this book is it shows you that. Now, I know what you're thinking. Bob, you like gore? No, because a player would read that and go, eh, that's kind of weird. No, no, really. Like, to read it, it's like, oh, okay, it's, it's a vampire, no big deal. Then you see the vampire who they're doing it to and the vampire who's doing it. And you're like, that's ferocity. That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. There's no way that vampire being held. Feel there's no way that feels good. That is that has got to suck, right? Yep. Uh, to what's going on? Wow, you know, and why there isn't some big power from it? None of these rights talk about an amazing power that gets granted to you for doing it. None of them. You read the power. The discipline relates to the bloodline. That's it. They're not getting ten dots to beat people with. No one's immune to the sun. The fire doesn't burn them less. It's it, these are blood rights, and this is what's developed, and that's what makes this awesome. Mm-hmm. Right. Finally, it's like, yeah, you could be different. And this is what you are, but you're telling a story, right? There's no way you're going to say in the Huali are actually just like Venture. No, they're not. <laughs> no, at the madness, maybe. <laughs> as, as, uh, maybe DJ likes a bit more than I do, but these, these, they'd be fun to play or great. But, um, uh, another one that's thrown in here. Remember, we talked about, uh, vampiric legend lore or aspects of the vampire legend that's here. And for the Nawali, that's that duality, that duality. Uh, that was very big, right? The vampiric lord lover meets the dark feeding monster, mm-hmm. right? That's always been the vampire and the Wally exhibit that. The Nalapsi are another fun one. They are, I would, they're, they're my favorite the out of this book. Yes. Okay. The Nalapsi, they're the gluttons, right? That are, they have the horrifying hunger that defines what they are, mm-hmm. right? They're an Eastern European vampire group that's just out there and they just feast. That's the, the blood is the life. And that's all they care to do. But they do it in such a way as we'll just call it in a, they're a monster's monster, right? They're that dark lord that no way gives up finer things in life and society. If you take, to me, they reek of what the Zemisi wanted to be. I can see that. Right? I think I can if see that. If ri- you rip the body horror out of it, throw that to the side and chuck it. And here's a lord that comes into your village, right? And I'm imagining cobblestone village in a quiet place in Eastern Europe. Not that they're backwoods, just they don't have a lot of people there. But this has always been their people. And mm-hmm. it's a place that's their land and it's theirs. And uh, they don't, you know, farmland meets maybe a video store and some guests, you know, whatever. And 
In this cobblestone type of town, a lord walks amongst them at night with a single cane dressed to the nines, right? Nobody else is dressed that way, but they know he is a lord of some type and they just leave him be, right? People just, just, we're going home tonight. No, Natalia, not tonight. Typically we would go to the, uh, to the clubs and do whatever. And there's only two in town, but, uh, we're, we're leaving the pub. We're not being here. Why? Someone says the Lord walks this night and it is a full moon. The night where he said he would walk. At least that's as the local legend is. Let's not be out tonight. Oh, what are you, a coward? You just, come on, baby. You go, listen, I'm not a coward. But my father, who fears nothing, is a hunter in these lands and says he saw this Lord from afar and was spared but once. And was only spared because there was more blood in the cow that we were catching to bring back to the land than there was in his own body. That's what he told them. And my father, who never balks, let it go. We lost a cow to the Lord, and that was that. In the morning, there was money left for the purchase of the cattle. It was polite, dainty amount given in a fat stack and left, and my father still hasn't spent a single cent of that money. It sits in there. He, he won't spend it. It's a cursed thing. That story is all about one Nelopsy, right? He's living in legend where he's at, and he has a brood. But the problem is this town is probably going to fade because they have a gluttonous habit. They don't understand. <laughs> they don't understand how to feed little by little. That's a different horror game that you're playing there. Mm-hmm. It's like, who goes after this guy? It's a myth that when you have a vampire who's on a town that's just feeding like that, that the Frog Brothers get together and form a, that the church deploys hunters with crosses and huge... No, nobody believes they're real. And this is Requiem, Jack. There's, there's things to say they're not real. You can't record them. You can't write about You can't do anything mm-hmm. but try to convince people that we should hunt them. Mm-hmm. And who are you going to convince to come out here in the middle of nowhere and hunt this guy? And, and, and that's the story. And maybe your players are the ones who got convinced. And now we're going to have a fun night trying to figure that out. That's, that's why I like them. Because they'd be fun to take a Nelopsy and put them in any game anywhere. They are. It's that dude at the buffet who just don't say stop. You said all I could eat is all I could eat. <laughs> and then people are going to start to notice it because uh, obviously your food source, like we only have enough, like there's four of us in this town. Didn't you feed on that person? Why are, what is everyone missing? And the lopsies in town, they're just like one by one by one. But wait a second, there were three. Wait, did we start with four? There's only three of us left. Then the lopsies is going to continue his feast. I, I imagine a Lord very much like they portrayed in the interview with the vampire, right? Where they finally embrace Claudia, right? The little girl. Mm-hmm. And she's just eating person after person after person. Oh, yes. And they show that scene where she's a pile behind her bed. And Lestat's like, oh, we told you not to leave the dead in your bed. <laughs> but I get hungry at night, you know, or whatever she says. And I'm sitting there going, that, that's Nalopsy. Yeah. Them Nalopsy problems. That's, uh, they're incredibly beautiful, powerful, but horrific. Mm. It's a running, oh, it's a, it's a joy to have in a game. How do you not have them? And here they are. Here they are. <laughs> What's one you like, Brentron? That's a hard one, because I got three that I, I very much enjoy. But uh, I'm going to go with the, I'm going to go with the alphabetical order. And that's the architects of the monolith. I, I love this uh, Ventrue bloodline, because this threw me for a loop when I read it. I see you chuckling at me, but I'm going to keep going. <laughs> it's that these guys are, these are, uh, this is a Parisian Ventru bloodline, right? From, dates back to the time of Napoleon. And they are, go ahead. I literally put next to this in my notes, Architects of the Monolith. I bet that nerd Brennan loves them. Why? <laughs> okay, why? Why do you think so? <laughs> own it, Brennan. Just go. I do own it. I already said it. This is one of my top three. And this is what I'm going with. <laughs> Anyway, because these, it screams bread try to keep going. Yeah, these <clears throat> these venture. These are not um, these are not the actual like uh, you might think of when you think of the lords. These are these are planners. These are builders. And they 
what they do is they harness the the magic of individual cities to literally control those cities, right? They don't the book will describe their extra their their fourth in clan discipline as a discipline, but it's honestly not. It is a blood sorcery because it does have if you when you read through its section, it's all rituals, all ritual based and all based on controlling an actual city, whether that's making it literally easier for you to feed harder for someone else to feed or you to navigate a city in like half the time it normally would. That still sounds like a vendor to me, though, right? Isn't it Lord of Land and, and other things? That yes, is- but I this I love the spin they put on this because I never would have thought about it. I've always I've always loved like the idea of like uh like sacred geometry and like ley line magic, all that stuff. Right, it's interesting. So for Bloodline to actually take that, that's awesome. I I love uh, Neil Gaiman uh, as a person, a writer, but his works tend to force my mind to wonder too much. Uh, but there's a there's a joy in reading them. I always do. Mm-hmm. And uh, like people ask me if you like the Sandman, I was like, yeah, if I could stay awake. Um, it puts puts me to sleep, not in a bad way. It's that when I read his writing, my own imagination takes hold of what he wrote and continues the story in my direction. Mm. That's what it does. He's telling a story. I'm in the middle writing my own story in my mind mm-hmm. off of what he says. He inspires me a bit too much. And he has an aspect of Clive Barker in that aspect. He gets me to bite down and do the same thing. For some reason, Architects of the Monolith scream Neil Gaiman to me. They scream it. If, if you think of an Architect of the Monolith, the city speaks to him. His power is that he controls everything in it. How well the hospital does is a whim, mm-hmm. right? Of if the Lord is happy with it, if nothing has displeased them, so be it. If the if the peasants have reacted accordingly, it's like the the ultimate power trip. You never see the person though, and that they become a less of a almost not a vampire, more of a of a demigod, mm-hmm. right? When we say the will of the prince, the will of the city. What if that prince is an architect of the monolith, a very real uh sort of connection to that of the city itself it becomes an even stronger prince a very terrifying one mm-hmm. what secrets can you keep from them and that makes it interesting and it's something perfect for an egotistical nerd like brent trying to fall in love with and to, That's and to be, i'm teasing That's i'm fair. teasing completely you're, you're neither one of those things i'm just doing it because <laughs> megalomania compels vampires this lineage and i was like is there a way i could twist this into a joke but be serious and yes i did it yeah. uh, that's the uh, that's that's the whole point. But I agree with you. There's a very cool bloodline. Um, I'm going to tell you one that is unique that when I reread it, because I said years ago, I got this book when mm-hmm. it came out and uh, I just, you know, we didn't use it. The gifts money were chilled my blood to this very day. Still mm. do. I live down south in the Bible Belt. And when you're there and you visit um, south of America, by the way, not South America, but south of the Mason Dixon <laughs> line. Um, when you're there, you see devotion differently. It's, it's everything in their life. It becomes a part of it. Their morals, their ideas, their traditions. They love them some God, and that's what's going to be there. There's nothing wrong with that. They thrive in doing it. It's okay. Everyone's welcome as long as they respect that. Have your beliefs, but, you know, keep them to yourself, and everyone's cool. These Gethsemane are capturing people, and their unique power is to force the <laughs> force what happened to Christ to be affected upon their victims, and they could feed from it. And as I was rereading this, and I got to the part of Longinus, that's the spear in Christ's sight of those that don't know that mm-hmm. alleged crime he did. That he, he killed Christ when he did that. Um, they talk about doing that to a victim, but then holding him up and drinking from the wound and gaining power as they do it, being surged and overjoyed in ecstasy. It's suddenly I'm reminded of every horror film ever made around a religious cult that does stuff when no one's looking and they feel elated and amazed and this is all good, but you're the guy. You're one of the people who get to enjoy the film, but if you were there, you would have been the next victim. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
because you couldn't believe like they don't see how horrific that is they wrote that and they made it a bloodline it's right here i guess it's so powerful to me uh how that it's it's chills it's chills when they have it there's there's a lot in here that does that i I swear to you we could go over every single one of them uh but i want to round it to one Mm -hmm. there is one that deserves a black guy and several in the corner as i punch them repeatedly in the headlock uh it's the kybit now rereading the kybit if you take the Kiasid and you take the Lasombra and you take the followers of Set and you take the Asimite clan, you slam them into one, you get the Kaibit. It's a weird hodgepodge if we wanted to give you what you're missing and put it in one group in one home. You might be wondering how. Well, Obtenebration right there is Lasombra. We're just going to leave that on the table. But their religious belief and thought process comes from Set. That they're, you know, they're here warding off and doing what exactly? They're hunting down the supernal elements that could be harmful to man. Yep. Well, there's your Asimite bent. All right, so we got your Set, we got your Asimite. Um, where's the Kiasin? Hmm. Oh, they serve someone. They're eternal servants. These guys are the bloodline that gets uh, assigned to any elder, so much so that in a princely domain, you might forgive them for what they do. I.e., it's their master's fault because the Kaibit never fail. Oh, yeah? I read that and I was like, oh, so unique. Flip. On to the next one. I like And just them. let it go. Yeah, of course you do. Because that's why. <laughs> I did, did I not name two of my favorite clans there, right? For V20. There's the Asimite. There's the Lasombra. Right there. Follower of Set. Oh, how do you put set to a good way? Oh, yeah, there's a place of darkness, but the way they see it, you know, the reason why the sun comes up is because of Ra, but that means set has to fight the the dark god, forget his name. Apep. Uh, to Apep. He has to fight Apep uh, to keep him away, but set has to go into the land of darkness to fight Apep, or Apep's going to eat the sun. So set has to be dark to go and do it. That's where our tenebrations had. Bada boom, bada bing. And what do you want? Right? It's done and done. Bob A, what'd you need? What I'm saying is, is that the Kaibit is a clan that I, I protest too much. If I sat down at a table knowing they exist, I'd be like, ah, kind of fun. Uh, I hate these guys so much. <laughs> it's like a clan. That's like, Why would you play it? I don't want to play it. Right. I feel right here where it says, it says they're quiet and unseen, but omnipresent. They even have in there that Asimite seven years, mm-hmm. right? They have it in there. You find a chilled. And the chill's not up to snuff or has a problem being whatever. And Elder Kaiba grabs him and snatches him off the street and says, you will serve me for seven till you learn the ways. Uh, what? <laughs> All right, fine. Fine. Fine, you're here. Whatever. We can enjoy them. Uh, everything else is pretty unique, though. That's the one. I, I enjoy this in Requiem. I love going through and finding where they brought that little bit, of, that good good. Mm-hmm. We didn't mm-hmm. leave it behind. It's here. And here it is. And that's it in one. And I was like, uh, you got me. All right, fine. I said, I don't like it, but I pro, mm, I like it. I don't. <laughs> but you know what right? you ended up doing there is that you proved the same thing that you were speaking about earlier, which is like, it's knowing that those five base clans do exist, but there's a bloodline for everything. There's no excuse for you not to be excited about playing a particular type of character. And because you being at Snowflake, and especially because you're not playing in a huge, gigantic meta plot of doom in the background (laughs) looming over you, every city is different. Every one of your games is just that much more interesting. And you should embrace being able to play these bloodlines, you know, to your liking. Um, We have to talk about a clan in here that I know will come under fire anyway. And it's the Overlocks. I like the Overlocks. I think it's a very, very good clan. It's one of my favorite out of here. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, Bloodline that's out of here. Yup. They distinctly make fun of uh, Hill Folk. Yeah. They, They do. They absolutely do. Uh, but they're pulling on a trope, too, of the unknown, right? If you've ever been in the hills in the middle of the night out in nowhere and you see some people who've been living off the land, they're not, uh, you know, they have a, a rope that serves as a belt because it's simple, right? It's what they had available. Why are they going to go spend $20 on a belt when that 20 can go to something else to operate on the land? 
that they needed for elsewhere. Um, simple and effective is how they live, and that's that. And in no way did the writers, they're not trying to make it an issue. However, it's a trope, mm-hmm. right? It's a, it's a hillbilly trope gone bad and gallows humor applied. There's also a part in here where they talk about the fact that it's, I enjoyed this actually when I read it because I was smiling ear to ear. I could bring it up that there is Swiss origin. Yeah. Swiss right? German. Swiss, right? So it's straight up Swiss origin uh-huh. is what it said. And then they come to the States and decide that they're going to be what they are. And uh, that's, that's okay. Except that they don't, they don't embrace people of color. That's not what they want. But then they go on to say, well, a few of color have made it. They were of the right distinction and, and ability to, to show that they would fit in. And that's that. And that's the saving grace. Mm-hmm. But I sat there and said, they didn't go so far as to make them an extremist group, right? That didn't happen. But it's close, right? It's as close as one can in terms of writing to make it there and to wonder what they are. But I also got to tell you, they did write them to where they're completely off the rest. Like, you could be overly sensitive and take that to heart. But understand what they're talking about here with the Oberlocks. These creatures, they're uh, literally living up at the house, uh, the, ho- the last house on the left, mm-hmm. the house on Haunted Hill the old witch's home that you don't go to, mm-hmm. right? That's where they're at. They are a force that's out at night doing weird things. Like if it's a thunderstorm and you and your, think about this setting, right? It's the opening to a horror film. Just you're in your inner mind, right? I've seen these so many times. It's a beautiful land, right? It's a huge house. You just got a cheap deal, right? It's strange that you couldn't afford it with your one job or you're the manager at some deli in the city in New York, big city, New York, but you saved up just enough that you and your wife who's been busting hump, she, th- third kid you had and she has some weird artistic uh painting thing that's it's hit or miss sometimes she could sell a painting for 10 grand and you guys can go a while on that other times it's nothing for almost a year and you got to figure it out and she has a current commission but oh you got this house and this house is beautiful right it's 12 rooms in this house and a massive basement everything's furnished and redone and great but they're overlooking the fact that as they walk through this house it is furnished that's because the victims never came to get their shit <laughs> right you could tell, right? You're looking at it and like there's been some repairs done and they talk about the upkeep and they've been, you know, updating it to the modern. And it's an old it's an old woman taking them around. Well, you know, it's been in my family a long time, this house. We have our ways. And over here is a room, this is where I raised my kin, and over there's that. And then the whole time the city couple's chuckling, right? About, oh yeah, of course we're fine with that, we're fine with that. Are you sure this is the deal, ma'am? Well, how many zeros is that exactly we agree to? Ma'am, it's you said the house was 225000 but I got to tell you, I feel an honestly got to tell you it was a million appraised. Are you sure? Oh, hell, nobody has. You have kids. You can't pay us that much. How about uh, ten grand? Mm. Pardon me? That ten grand sounds good. Ma'am, I should be taking advantage of you. Oh, it's ten grand, sweetie. That's all we need is ten grand. We're simple folk around here. That'll go for quite a ways. All right. And it's sold. Done. But doom. What she doesn't know is that at night, as the wife's going to be there, she'll look out and see three guys standing on the property by an old truck that she didn't hear land or even drive up on the property. Why? She's city folk. Mm-hmm. She's not attuned to the stillness that the night can be out here. And it's strange that she didn't hear it. Well, that's because she's got a radio playing, dancing around, kids are playing in the background. But we, the audience, would see them roll up quietly, and they step out, and all they do is stare, right? It'd be one tall guy who would be completely bald. The other one has the hair that comes down past his shoulder, but it's like all white for whatever reason. And they're just slowly turning their head to the side, looking to see what's going on. And then the dad goes outside to have a beer. And when he goes out to sit on the porch with the beer, the one guy that passes as normal comes walking up from the truck, the third guy, and he says, howdy, holds up his own drink. And the dad's like, oh, how's it going? Having a cigarette. You know, I should have quit. Tries to start up small talk and they don't say anything. They just stare at him. Mm -hmm. 
he gets unnerved and walks back in. That's the start of this family's demise, and it would be Oberlocks to do it. Uh-huh. And they're not doing it because they're colored. They're not doing it at all. They don't care about the color. It's because the food to the fridge has been refilled. <laughs> yep. Is what's going on. That's the only reason. And they would do that. And they would rinse, repeat, do that because that's their domain. And that's what they do. And they bring the terror that is there. And each individual bloodline has that feel. You can see where they fit and where they belong and why they're there and why they exist. And that's how you build one. But uh, I digress. So if you're, if you're overly sensitive, you see the Oberlocks are like, oh man, it should be right. But I think they do that on purpose. It's the Hammer Home Alienation, number one. Most people don't know a damn thing about Swiss at all, especially in the States. Whoever reads this book, you can look it up. The Swiss are incredibly nice people, incredibly well-educated, great society and all, but they're going to have their deviants. Mm-hmm. I like the reality that as great and awesome as you are, if you flip that coin over, one of you is the dark side of hell. And I feel that's what the Oberlocks are. And that left Swiss, right? I left the land of, the, of all that's good. It came over here to say, well, now that seed can be planted and grown to something far worse. And oh, and they have a distinction. Like draws to like, too. And I think that's what they're saying. The principles of the progenitor were such that the traits that it honors most and likes the most were found in this southern climate of these people who were clannish and insular. And that's what he wanted or she wanted. And that's what they chose. And that's what they have. So House of a Thousand Corpses, when you look at the uh, Firefly family, they're not diverse by sight and they're definitely well protected, but you don't know about them and they're all murderous. Mm-hmm. And that's how they wrote them. Those are overlocks, right? You could see that easily. That's what I challenge you to do is to look past the Fifi's and dig deep and realize where is the horror that they intended. And you'll find that And each and every one of these bloodlines do that. Absolutely. Overlocks are overlocks are one of the three I said earlier that were my favorites out of this. Like I, I very much like this bloodline for uh, the vast majority what you just illustrated. So other than all that, um, what are passing shots that you guys have here before we wrap this up? Passing uh, shots. Yeah. Passing shot, Bren. Um Bren took too long. Uh, I'm taking it from him. Go ahead, go ahead. Go, take him, take him. Um passing shots are this book is amazing. Um, especially for the fact that it gives you all that much more options uh for to being able to play these characters. Um the fact that they're hidden also kind of makes you wonder, like, well, why would they exist? Oberlocks, they're hidden for a reason, right? <laughs> Same thing with the Nuali. They can't exist too much out of there because you bring them into a city, this happens, but they're also inspiring. Right. So use this as a toolbox because there's a good couple of disciplines in here you might be able to use or think is really cool or a concept. And after having read this and hearing us speak about it and how our stories just kind of like started going crazy, I'm pretty sure that you as a player would probably find the same thing, too. It's pretty cool. Creativity is this book and that's what it should do. I think your session zero should all have like as many vampire options as possible to lay on the table. Uh, the many bloodline books they do have. This definitely can't be missed out of one of them. But uh, what's our next book, Brennan? I know you could do that. One. Our next book is. Elaine Kaya at Sanctum. <laughs> we go get Jesus up in y'all. Yeah. It's going to be great. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to bring the religion to relying on vampires. So uh, folks, uh, tune in uh, next week. We'll get that to you. And uh, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM at our email info at 25yearsvtm.com on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25yearsvtm or on our website www.25yearsvtm.com If you would like to support us we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade